Sometimes you might need a pick-me-up, a push in the right direction, some words that help put you back on track. This is the Learn, Develop, Live podcast with your motivational moment. Good morning! This is the Learn, Develop, Live podcast and your motivational moment for the week. My name is Chris Jags. I'd like to say thanks for being here, for downloading the episode, and giving me some of your time. I always appreciate every second. The speaker this week was at the top of his game, appearing in some of the funniest films ever made. The Mask, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, The Grinch, Liar Liar, The Truman Show, Bruce Almighty, the list just goes on. But unfortunately, it hasn't always been that good. Jim Carrey over recent years has involved in a lawsuit over a death, which was thrown out by a judge in court, as well as very well publicised mental health issues. But Kerry is now back in the limelight with his recent appearance in the Sonic the Hedgehog film, which we watched last week, and we really liked it. And he remains passionate about his painting and mentoring young Hollywood stars. In this clip, Jim Kerry gives a commencement address to the Maharashi University of Management's class of 2014. The University Board of Trustees also presented Mr. Kerry with the honorary degree of Doctor of Fine Arts in recognition of his significant lifetime achievements as a world-renowned comedian, actor, artist, and author. You are the vanguard of knowledge and consciousness, a new wave in a vast ocean of possibilities. On the other side of that door, there's a world starving for new ideas, new leadership. I've been out there for 30 years. She's a wildcat. <laughs> Oh, she'll rub up against your leg and purr until you pick her up and start petting her, and then out of nowhere she'll swat you in the face! <laughs> it can be rough out there, but that's okay, because there's soft-serve ice cream <laughs> with sprinkles. I guess that's what I'm really trying to say here today. Sometimes it's okay to eat your feelings. Now, fear is going to be a player in your life, but you get to decide how much. You can spend your whole life imagining ghosts, worrying about the pathway to the future, but all there will ever be is what's happening here and the decisions we make in this moment, which are based in either love or fear. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. What we really want seems impossibly out of reach and ridiculous to expect, so we never dare to ask the universe for it. I'm saying I'm the proof that you can ask the universe for it. Please. And if it doesn't happen for you right away, it's only because the universe is so busy fulfilling my order. <laughs> Party size. <laughs> My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job. And our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. 
It's not the only thing he taught me, though. You know, I watched the effect of my father's love and humor and how it altered the world around me. And I thought, that's something to do. That's something worth my time. It wasn't long before I started acting up. You know, people would come over to the house and they'd be greeted by a seven-year-old throwing himself down a large flight of stairs. <laughs> they would say, what happened? And I would say, I don't know. Let's check the replay. <laughs> I'd go back to the top of the stairs and come back down in slow motion. <laughs> It was a very strange household. <laughs> My father used to brag that I wasn't a ham, I was the whole pig. <laughs> and he treated my talent as if it was his second chance. When I was about 28, after a decade as a professional comedian, I realized one night in LA that the purpose of my life had always been to free people from concern, just like my dad. And when I realized this, I dubbed my new devotion the Church of Freedom from Concern. <laughs> the Church of FFC. And I dedicated myself to that ministry. What's yours? How will you serve the world? What do they need that your talent can provide? That's all you have to figure out. As someone who's done what you're about to go and do, I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. <clears throat> because everything you gain in life will rot and fall apart, and all that will be left of you is what was in your heart. My choosing to free people, <clears throat> My choosing to free people from concern got me to the top of a mountain. Look where I am. Look what I get to do. Everywhere I go, this, I'm going to get emotional because when I tap into this, it really is extraordinary to me. I did something that made people present their best selves to me wherever I go. I am at the top of the mountain, and I was, and I, the, only, the only one I hadn't freed was myself, and that's when my search for identity deepened. I wondered who I'd be without my fame. Who would I be if I said things that people didn't want to hear? Or if I defied their expectations of me? What if I showed up to the party without my Mardi Gras mask and refused to flash my breasts for a handful of beads? <laughs> I'll give you a moment to wipe that image out of your mind. <laughs> but you guys are so ahead of the game. You already know who you are. And that piece, that piece that we're after, lies somewhere beyond personality, beyond the perception of others, beyond invention and disguise, even beyond effort itself. You can join the game, fight the wars, play with form all you want. But to find real peace, you have to let the armor go. Your need for acceptance can make you invisible in this world. 
Don't let anything stand in the way of the light that shines through this form. Risk being seen in all of your glory. big enough. <clears throat> this painting is big for a reason. It's called High Visibility. <laughs> it's about picking up the light and daring to be seen. Here's the tricky part. Everyone is attracted to the light. The party host up at the top who thinks unconsciousness is bliss and is always offering to drink from the bottles that empty you. Misery below her despises the light, can't stand when you're doing well, wishes you nothing but the worst. The queen of diamonds, under him, needs a king to build her house of cards. And the hollow one down bottom there will cling to your leg and say, please don't leave me behind, for I have abandoned myself. Even those who are closest to you and most in love with you, the people you love most in the world, will find clarity confronting at times. This painting took me thousands of hours to complete. And when I was finished, thank you. Thousands, thousands of hours, yes. I'll never get them back. I'll never get them back. I, was, I worked on this for so long. I was weeks and weeks like a madman alone on a scaffolding. And when I was finished, one of my friends said, this would be a cool blacklight painting. <laughs> so I started over. <laughs> Welcome to Burning Man. Some pretty crazy characters up there, but better up there than in here. <clears throat> you know, painting is one of the ways, thank you. Painting is one of the ways I free myself from concern, a way to stop the world through total mental, spiritual, and physical involvement. But even with that comes a feeling of divine dissatisfaction because ultimately, we're not the avatars we create. We're not the pictures on the film stock. We are the light that shines through. All else is just smoke and mirrors, distracting, but not truly compelling. I've often said that I wished people could realize all their dreams and wealth and fame and so that they could see that it's not where you're going to find your sense of completion. Like many of you, I was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize that there is nothing bigger than myself. <laughs> my soul is not contained within the limits of my body. My body is contained within the limitlessness of my soul. One unified field.
One unified field of nothing, dancing for no particular reason, except maybe to comfort and entertain itself. As that shift happens in you, you won't be feeling the world, you'll be felt by it, you'll be embraced by it. Now I'm always at the beginning. I have a reset button, and I ride that button constantly. <laughs> Once that button is functioning in your life, there's no story that the mind could create that will be as compelling. The imagination is always manufacturing scenarios, both good and bad, and the ego tries to keep you trapped in the multiplex of the mind. Our eyes are not viewers, they're also projectors that are running a second story over the picture that we see in front of us all the time. Fear is writing that script, and the working title is, I'll Never Be Enough. Are you going to look at a person like me and say, how could we ever hope to reach those kind of heights, Jim? How can we make a painting that's too big for our home? <laughs> How do you fly so high without a special breathing apparatus? <laughs> this is the voice of the ego. <laughs> and if you listen to it, there will always be someone who is doing better than you. No matter what you gain, ego will not let you rest. It will tell you that you cannot stop until you've left an indelible mark on the earth, until you've achieved immortality. How tricky is this ego that it would tempt us with the promise of something we already possess? So, I just want you to relax. You know, that's my job. <laughs> relax and dream up a good life. I had a substitute teacher from Ireland in the second grade that told my class during morning prayer that when she wants something, anything at all, she prays for it and promises something in return, and you know, she always gets what she wants. Well, I'm sitting at the back of the classroom, you know, thinking, wow, my family can't afford a bike, you know. So I went home and I prayed for one. And I promised I would recite the rosary every night in exchange. Broke it. Broke that promise. <laughs> but two weeks later, I got home from school to find a brand new Mustang bike with a banana seat and easy rider handlebars. Yeah. <laughs> from fool to cool. My family informed me that I had won the bike in a raffle that a friend of mine had entered my name in without any of my, without my knowledge whatsoever. So that type of thing has been happening to me ever since. And as far as I can tell, it's just about letting the universe know what you want and working toward it while letting go of how it comes to pass. Your job is not to figure out how it's going to happen for you, but to open the door in your head. And when the door opens in real life, just walk through it. Yay. And don't worry if you miss your cue, because there's always doors opening. 
They keep opening. And when I say life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you, I really don't know if that's true. <laughs> I'm just making a conscious choice to perceive challenges as something beneficial so that I can deal with them in the most productive way. You'll come up with your own style. That's part of the fun. Oh, and uh, why not take a chance on faith as well? Take a chance on faith. Not religion, but faith. Not hope, but faith. I don't believe in hope. Hope is a beggar. Hope walks through the fire and faith leaps over it. You are ready and able to do beautiful things in this world. And after you walk through those doors today, you will only ever have two choices, love or fear. Choose love and don't ever let fear turn you against your playful heart. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rudolph. I'm so honored. Thank you. Welcome back. Now, I admit, I love Jim Carrey, and he continues to bring smiles and laughter to millions around the world. And as he mentioned in a part of his speech, his dad did lose his job, and Kerry, at the age of 10, took an eight-hours-a-day job after school to help support the family. At age 15, Kerry performed his comedy routine on stage for the very first time in a suit that his mum made him. Totally bombed it, but was undeterred. The next year, at 16, he quit school to focus on comedy full-time. He moved to LA shortly after, where he would park on Malholland and Drive, every night and visualize his success on one of these nights he wrote himself a check for 10 million dollars for acting services rendered which he dated for thanksgiving 1995 just before that date he hit his first big payday with dumb and dumber he put the deteriorated check which he kept in his wallet the whole time into his father's casket the secret here like for so many others is to never give up and that is the same for you now, if today's episode has given you that missing inspiration that you've needed to kickstart the idea you've got, unlock the hidden talent you have right now, and even giving you the trigger to kickstart your life, take control again, come over and book your call with me, your very own one-to-one 30-minute LDL power call, and we can discuss how we can get your life rolling. Book it now. Let's see what the Learn, Develop, Live method can do for you and the creation that you want to bring to life. Stop dragging your heels, stop suffering yet again for another day. Come over to ldlcall.com, find the ideal slot for you, and we will speak soon. As for now, I'll be back tomorrow with more. I hope you have a great day, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening. You can find more motivational moments at learndeveloplive.com, and we'll be back to inspire you again tomorrow.